in the space, yeah. people you go to and their opinion weighs heavier. And like you two guys are people for that. And you know, I have like a roster of 10 people and you guys make up, you know, you're on, you're on my starting 11 if it were soccer. And this guy said, <laughs> you're my top yeah, nine this, in my space. this guy said years ago, he said, you want to download this app and I'm going to show it as it looks. You can see all my other apps I know here, but it's that Coin one stats. on the top. No, no, no. It's called Crypto Pro. Huh. And I'll show you what the UX looks like on the inside. But it's really comfortable and it's really nice. And it allows you to put in all your trades. And maybe on another episode where I'm not putting my phone to the, <laughs> to the, to the camera, you guys could see it. And, and I could uh, actually just share it through my phone if I open up Restream on my phone. And then you could just see my actual screen. But I found it to be really great because when you have a new trade, you get to put it in. You get to put in. For me, the US dollar amount that I bought it at, how much I bought, how much I paid in fees, it tracks the date. You can also set up alerts if you're just watching something. So if I'm looking at a coin, I'll do that. But Grant, were you saying you use CoinStats? I use CoinStats. Pros and cons on that though. So like um, <clears throat> Cardano's tough to track because of the security layer of Cardano okay. uh, with Yoroi. Basically it creates a new account Technically, there's like pseudo accounts and then it creates a new account for like every time you move money. It, it's like a single use. It's like a single use account number. And so like when you set up coin stats and I, you guys have heard me say like Cardano makes up the lion's share. I say lion's share like 40% of my portfolio. And so like if I do a transaction, that account address is now null and void. I have to go add it again. So that's annoying about coin stats. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing is, is when you connect it, it doesn't show you your original buys. So you don't actually know your dollar cost average. But um, the only reason I brought that up was I'm getting these crazy notifications. I don't know if you guys get, do you guys get crypto notifications anywhere? I yeah, do. I, I do Delta. through Crypto Pro. Sorry, Jay. Okay. Crypto Pro. And what'd you say, Jay? I use Delta. It sounds like exactly like the same thing, like you guys are describing. Pretty much. I mean, they're all they're all pretty much the same, and and each of them are competing to build community in their own discords now and stuff. But I've been getting tons of notifications, like in the last weekend, of like Algorand popping forty percent coming down, Dow Maker popping forty percent, like all through, like Sunday. It, what do you guys know anything about that? Like, why is it? Why have these been popping off like that this weekend? Is there anything going on? What's this tornado so, cash? Does it have anything to do with that? So well, I have my ideas on this, Jay. Do you want to you want to take a stab at why things are popping? I mean, a bunch of things happened recently, right? Like, I I know we said we weren't going to talk politics, but this one is in my in my mind. <laughs> well, no, like as long political. as it relates to crypto, as long okay. as it relates to the market movement. So I'm talk about Mormonism in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> China Russia reserve currency. Um, oh, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, and recently BlackRock uh, started letting their investors trade crypto with Coinbase. So that kind of sounds like people are hedging against the dollar. I'm thinking like all of that stuff come together. Hedging against right the dollar. So we're gonna we're going into this at minimum an economic war with China next level and Russia. They've got the reserve currency and and you're saying BlackRock is letting its people trade through Coinbase? Mm-hmm. Co- Coinbase Prime. I had never even heard of Coinbase Prime. Apparently it's it's something that they have. But Coinbase yeah, Prime yeah, it's like is, an institutional level. Exactly. It's the institutional grade. You got to be you got to have a certain amount of zeros to play in that pond. Yeah. And I think the thing with BlackRock and this guy posted it today and I, I responded was just crazy because when you look at BlackRock, they have 10 trillion dollars in assets yeah. under management. So if they were a country, they're right behind the US and China, which is absolutely freakish when you think about right that there's this entity that has that much economic energy and so if they take a one percent allocation into bitcoin yeah one percent of 10 trillion is a hundred billion dollars overnight if they were to put that into bitcoin it would see bitcoin's price appreciate 22 percent 
if Bitcoin is where it is today at $23,000. So huh. this is where these conversations get really crazy for me and on my soul, which is a maxi, where you're like, people are like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's not going to go to a billion dollars. I'm like, oh, really? What's the underlying you... value basis? Yeah, come on, man. It's not, it's not based on anything. So I'm like, okay, great, <laughs> whatever. And actually, I posted this and my cousin, I don't know if he's watching this. If he is, he's going to like... <laughs> He blow said, a gasket. Yeah, because my my point was like this: what you know, Bitcoin getting to seventy thousand was done where there are a lot more skeptics than adopters. Yes. What happens when there's more adopters than skeptics? And my cousin said, still a skeptic with like the crying LOL face. Mm -hmm. And I commented, I love the skeptics because they yeah. keep the price down. They keep an undervalued asset out there. For, oh, interesting. For, for you know, for DCAing and acquiring. <clears throat> That's interesting. You had this guy post on your on your LinkedIn and he asked that question, what's the value basis? And I got thinking about it and I know what they're asking. I mean, you got I mean, the value-based investors, right? Like the the Warren Buffetts and they're looking at cryptos and trying to apply it to cryptos. But I think what web3 or what what cryptocurrencies have been doing as asset classes, not as software, not as tech, but as an asset class, it's been revealed, I think, like transparently, how absolutely zero valuation there is in most economic activity, how it really is emotional and belief-based. Because I don't know if you saw my response, Jarrett, to, to the gentleman, but it was like, well, what is the value basis? Well, honestly, nothing at first. Adoption over time creates confidence and full faith. That's why they call it full faith and backed U.S. dollar. I said, but then Grayscale holds 15 billion of Bitcoin and its basis of evaluation of a company triangulates that the basis value of Bitcoin is what it is because the people investing in Grayscale at 15 or $16 a share believe that it's worth something. And that's and in that one stair-step level of disconnect between their holdings and then they're paying them to hold their holdings like that is its valuation i mean well grant you, you something isn't defined by itself and it's like actually that's what like all finance is <laughs> what'd you say so, jay i was gonna say it sounds circular yeah. it is go ahead jared yeah, so I haven't responded to him because I think there's a lot of different ways to go from it there's like the yeah, yeah. okay why do you put value in the u.s dollar if you, yeah. if you, if you straight up ask someone that, like when they come yeah. to me and they say, why is Bitcoin valuable? And I say, why is the US dollar valuable? They'll probably mm -hmm. go into the fact that they can use that to go buy food, to buy gas, to pay their Liquidity, rent, to pay their yeah. mortgage. And mm -hmm. the real answer as to why Bitcoin is so valuable right now, the one that I like really try to push on people is that you're buying into a network. You're buying into the most powerful computer network on the planet, and it takes a certain amount of energy currently, and we know how much it costs. I think it, you know it's around eighteen to twenty thousand dollars or something like that to create a Bitcoin right now, more or less. And so that's kind of what you're buying, you know, to get each Bitcoin, you're paying the network for its safety and security, and that's what you're getting. Yeah. And I just and when people are like, okay, you know, why are things valuable? Because the thing that's easily valuable for many people on the planet is real estate. And yes. it's like, okay, you buy a house. When you buy a house, what are you buying? You're buying the materials, the labor, and then all yeah. the other third parties like real estate agents, uh, lenders, and everyone else who's going to get their little you know, bite of the pie. But yeah. that's really what you're buying. And as those materials increase and labor increases, yeah. the amount of a house will go up. Now, obviously, there are things that are outside of this, which is demand, right? If the yes, demand, demand outweighs the supply, then the price is going to go up. But with Bitcoin, you're essentially right now, like the, the, the proof of work is really what you're buying. You're buying mm. into the largest computer network, the largest decentralized computer network on the planet. And you're saying, I just want to hold an asset that's part of that on that network. That to me is what you're buying. And I know Mark, that Davian's left a comment and we can get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, want, I do want to come back to this because I do, this is current and I do want to know more about it. But when, you know, I've heard this argument said about, um, uh, and Norman jumped in, loving the conversation. Can't wait to hear what you guys think about Tornado Cash. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about Tornado Cash if we know anything about it, or if y'all do. <laughs> maybe, maybe Nick knows about it, Tornado Cash. But the thing you, I've heard this phrase before that you know when you buy into Bitcoin, you buy into the largest computer network. <clears throat> when Google, I don't know if you guys remember this, but 
like back in the early days of Google, Google launched its browser. And then you could download this little client onto your desktop. And anytime you weren't using your desktop, it was actually using unused disk drive space for computations. And this is where it started its big data. Basically, it was the world's largest distributed computer at the time. And it was doing high-level data processing, not just searches, but all kinds of stuff. And then you could buy that stock. And it was basically, there was a value model. What is the value model? Uh, when people say the Bitcoin largest distributed computer network, aside from it, from it computing its own proof of work algorithm, so what? Like, I, I mean, I value Bitcoin and, and, and in our time together, I'm valuing it more and more and more. But this particular argument I'm curious about, like, so what about the largest distributed computer network? Does it have value other than itself? Does it have value other than itself? Which is good enough for me in general, but I just didn't know if there was hidden uses of the Bitcoin computer network. I, mean, I think it comes about when you start connecting it to other things. The, the the distribution will matter for things like IoT. You know, like when you start getting getting okay. far outside of cities and you want to be able to do transactions for, you know, I don't know, sending Wi-Fi, sending power, or just receiving data. Interesting. It, it makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's curious to me. Huh. Real quick. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I for me, I think there's two things. One, I think it's cool to hold an asset on the biggest decentralized monetary digital network. I think that that's really cool. And in a globalized world, and for me as someone who travels a lot, like I'm really excited that I own that digital asset. You know, there's only 21 million houses, right? Do you own yeah. one? Do you own a piece? Do you own a room? You own a floor? Maybe you own a tile in the bathroom. Whatever yeah. it is, just try to own something. And then the other one is just the solving of the broken money system. Those two yeah. are paramount because we don't have yeah. a hard money system. If we can just create fiat, it doesn't matter. Like the Biden just signed a bill or he's going to sign it by the end of the week. And it's yeah, called the Inf Biden. Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, Act. And it's supposed I to stop this. inflation, but yet he's going to pump $750 billion into the system. $750 billion in 2008 was, it was 700 billion, I think was the amount that bailed out the banks in the initial package. So mm. in you know, 14 years time, we're now passing bills that seem like, eh, whatever, $750 billion. 2008 was like, this is going to save the world. So you can talk about how inflated the fiat economy is by like, yeah. you know, this is going to happen and nine out of 10 people you ask on the street aren't even going to know that it's happening. So yeah. for me, there are those two things and the dying of fiat. It's like, that's why you want to hold Bitcoin. But as far as Bitcoin's network and like its overall inherent value, I think Jay's totally right. When you tie it into IoT and yeah. they're going to be people that are going to use that network to tie in things. And we haven't even started to like see what the future is. I think the lightning network is allowing it to kind of be something more, maybe what Satoshi had outlined, which is like a payments yeah. network among people. But even that the lightning network, while it solves some problems, I think for other people, it creates different ones, but why don't we move on and talk about tornado cash? Cause that is something that I think oh. is at the forefront of the internet right now. And I also want to <laughs> shout out that Nick Widmer will be a guest today. He's going to come in a little bit later. And yeah. so I'm everyone pumped. stay tuned to that. But Tornado Cash, I want to, the thing I want to talk about with Tornado Cash, I'll just, if it's okay, I'll read a little background here. It says, sure. Uh, Tornado Cash has been a key tool, tool used by criminals to launder stolen funds, <laughs> including the North Korean hacker tied to the mm -hmm. 625 million Ronin bridge attack earlier this year. And the oh. reason I found out about Tornado Cash was, aka the internet, we essentially communicate in memes, it was this. And I'm once again putting my screen up to the thing. Someone is trolling uh, celebs by sending ETH from Tornado Cash. So basically, oh. today the Office of Foreign Asset <laughs> Control funny. said, you cannot mess with tornado cash. And so somebody is out there and it said it impacted wallets, including those controlled by Coinbase CEO, Brian Armstrong, a billionaire what? TV host, Jimmy Fallon, clothing brand Puma and a wallet set up for donations to Ukraine. According to EtherScan. prominent crypto figures like Beeple and more mainstream celebrities like Dave Chappelle are also receiving the ETH. So by receiving wow. this, it's putting their wallets under like an At issue. risk. It's exactly. It's putting them in like <laughs> some hot water just they by being able frozen, to frozen. They it. can't move the rest of their assets into their American accounts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's like, that's because, evil. Yeah. Because crypto is so 
everything's so tied together and so interconnected. One yeah. little thing can have a crazy ripple effect. And so do you want to, does one of you want to look at Davian's comment and build off that? Yeah, here, let me, uh, I have it right here. He says, uh, which caused GitHub suspensions and the blacklisting of wallets holding more than 437 million. So he's basically saying what you, giving more detail to what you were talking about. And th that is a troll. I mean, that's a huge trolling because if people's assets are freezing. So, so this is interesting. This, this brings us, as always, back to regulation. Like, should this stuff not be, like, is this the sort of thing? I mean, this is humorous because celebs are getting punked. And that's kind of humorous. But, you know, <laughs> donations to Ukraine, however, are getting frozen out. So do we want there to be a mechanism, a law-based mechanism uh, or, or some authority that can step in and go, oh, let's filter this out. Okay, these guys know this, yes, and let's fix this. Like, do you want more centralized authority to be able to regulate some of this? Well, I mean, Jay? do 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 they even... Does it even matter if they try to regulate it? You know, like the only people that it affects are the, the 300 million people who live in the United States. Like everybody else can just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna just continue doing this. I'm not going to the US and I don't use a bank account. So this doesn't affect me in the slightest bit, you know? And it, it's kind of weird to me that we all knew what was happening with Tornado Cash. And, and then this isn't the only one. Did we? Know? I've never even heard yeah. of it till today. <laughs> oh, you've never heard of it? No. Oh yeah, no. it's been happening for a while. Yeah, like like uh, like like Jared read, um, North Korea had been using it for a while, and lots of other people who you know are trying to figure out how do I take this Bitcoin or whatever crypto that I got and figure out what I can do with it. A lot of times, I think they it's just a like Tumblr, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's how how it works is everybody puts in the same amount of crypto. I think usually it's ETH. You put in the same amount of ETH. And it all gets mixed together and then you get out that ETH. And so it's impossible to tell, you know, whose ETH you have at the end. Yeah. Nefarious means or if it was just, yeah, yeah. What, Jarrett? No, I'm, I'm just giving And I love Jay's point because I think that the U.S. is only 5% of the world population. And I think crypto is being adopted at in other countries. And, you know, I think I speak fairly broadly about Latin America a lot, but I think in other countries or any place in the world where you're seeing your currency be devalued or you're tied to the dollar and you are an importer or net exporter and you're just kind of tied to the dollar, you're going to adopt crypto and you might want to use tornado cash for whatever different reason. Like, I, I don't know. And for me, the, the regulating this, like Jay says, so hard because really all you're going to do is say, if you do do it, like stateside, if we're just focusing on state, if you do do it, you could get in trouble, but like you could open up a MetaMask and you could do like different things. We all know how you could like wash through. And unless someone's looking through the ether scan and going to follow you down a rabbit hole, which is also yeah. not that difficult to do if you know what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. You know, this is, this is kind of like the way of it. So I, I don't so know. So is this just like uh, yet another, uh, this is just the public learning the bad neighborhoods of the internet again. You know, like, I mean, is that pretty much like, oh, crap, user error, proceed at your own risk? You know, I mean, is it just another area where if you want decentralization, you just got to learn the bad? You guys remember, you guys remember when someone in the early internet owned whitehouse.com? No. No. <laughs> but you're about to tell us. <laughs> Story time with a, Grant. <laughs> you could be in, a, in the early days, White House had was setting up I mean everyone didn't even have websites and they were just setting up websites and then in school it was listed you know because it wasn't even you didn't even have search at the time you just had list servers like Yahoo and Netscape and and so these things would get listed and you'd have government websites and it would be like irs.com and we didn't even have .gov yet right mm -hmm. someone bought whitehouse.com and it was a porn site oh my gosh it's a teachers after teachers. We're going, oh, wow, look what we found. We could go visit information about the White House through the interwebs. <laughs> Excellent. It was, I mean, chaos. It, it it was, was so chaos. early. It was so early. I'm glad it, it was early like in 4K, you know, and this like this kid, like Stevie, 12 year old Stevie is like, oh, my God. And it would like slowly render 
a booty and then like it's like what is going on to unplug it but my point is though back then you learn you know back then you, you learn um the bad neighborhoods Correct. of the web and so is this one of these things where you just don't use tumblers do you got have you guys ever used a tumbler like this or a pool or whatever they call Jay, it? have you i've never used it no never had a reason to I've never had a reason to other than when we get a bunch of money for not crypto bros and we have to launder it to buy some like, I don't know, some high rise in Qatar or something cutter. Um, I want to say it is about that time. And Nick Widmer, yeah. if you're watching, if you want to, if you want to hop on in, what does Nick know? Jump in. Yeah, text Nick him, see if, see if he has any uh, challenges with the He's actually there. been texting me. He's like, I don't really know much about tornado cash, but I think that I wonder, and I don't know this, but I wonder if Tornado Cash is used more outside of the United States, but I'm not sure. I, I Maybe. Have no, I, mean, I just have no I, I mean, idea. I've known of this service. I just didn't know of this one in particular. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, and this might be an interesting time with NFTs. Like I just saw that um, yet another high profile board ape was stolen from some CEO and sold back to him for like 130k. We saw this with Seth Green. How are these NFTs being brought back into people's accounts, like and still remain anonymous? Hello, Nick. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up, Nick? Can you hear me? Can you hear me right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal, cool. great, Mike. Uh, yeah, Nick, we're we're on it. the topic of NFTs and. Uh, a brief intro on Nick. Nick has been a guest on Jay's podcast, uh, the Digital Leaders podcast, as well as my podcast, More Than Blockchain. He is a writer, and at the end, we'll let him shout out his blog because you should definitely read it. He just did a very moving piece. Uh, the ALS, about a, I just saw that. Yeah, about a former football player uh, with ALS, which I, I mean, I think it's done the rounds of the internet, which has been great because you and your brother really worked hard on that. And uh, Thank you. Grant had just asked about NFTs. Grant, you want to rephrase, uh, say, say the question? Well, we were talking about Tornado Cash. Well, Grant should know that I, uh, I remember whitehouse.com as well. I think I had <laughs> Do you really? Messed that up. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not full of shit, dude. Nick knows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I well, that's because Nick Nick was Nick was one of those kids in like the fifth grade, and they like opened it up, <laughs> and Nick was like, "Oh my god!" And he like saw the booty <laughs> rendering. <laughs> it's crazy to think how far like we've we've come from that, and just what was that twenty five years, twenty years? Oh yeah, think yeah. of how entitled we are now. We're like, yeah, Dadgum, I don't want centralization. Back then, we're like, can I please just plug in my <laughs> Ethernet cable? You know. Yeah. <laughs> on the one the one desktop computer in your parents <laughs> yeah it's my turn yeah you had turns yeah. oh yeah <laughs> totally uh, oh yeah we had turns we had a sign-up sheet oh yeah <laughs> a sign-up sheet I, you know when your parents would pick up the phone and it would cut the internet <laughs> yeah. oh my god it's, remember that. it's like you talk to your little girlfriend on the phone and your parents mom hang up but then you were on the internet and you're like i'm looking at important things so, the, so the question was like these. I call them tumblers. Am I using the right term for tornado cash? Are they called tumblers? What are they called? I think that's I think, that, I mean, yeah. I think it makes sense. Scramblers, maybe. Scramblers. Mm. Like I, we should just call them laundry pools. I mean, they're just seriously. Like, <clears throat> so, like when people getting onto the topic of NFTs, when people steal an NFT, and then like there's this negotiating process to reclaim the NFT. Mm. Like, how do they do that? And not like truly anonymously. Like functionally. Like, can we talk to a hacker? Does anyone know? Do they use these tumbler pools and like put this much money here? Like, like how does that work? I don't know. I'm it's just... gotta, gotta be like a middleman, right? Somebody who who does oh. the talking. Oh. Dude, you could start a whole service for that. Like, I just won't ask questions. Just send me the money and I'll take care of it for a fee. <laughs> Nick, do you have I any think, insight uh, on that? I, I don't. I imagine when you're starting to deal with like assets of that are that high in value, you're yeah. using a middleman or like a bridge service. Like, doesn't I think MoonPay might be one of them where they, de they deal, uh, they like basically help celebrities and high net worth individuals buy these assets and i'm pretty sure they hold them for them like in a custodial way like an S but i think like in like seth i think i'm like seth green got his yeah. board ape stolen i think a yeah. few months ago which was kind of hilarious but yeah. uh <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i, I don't know I, I i it's a good question like how they where the negotiation comes in 
Yeah, sure. because we know we know that the like the FBI can track like like for real hacks. Like we've seen them reclaim funds and stuff. And I just wonder like where does all that come into play when it's like my two hundred thousand dollar board ape? You know? <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah, um, I also wonder how it works if you know, say I have my MetaMask and I have my board ape and on MetaMask, you can have different like Ethereum wallets. Like I actually don't even know the max amount, but I have like two or three. And yeah. so I have it on my third one and that's where I keep my board ape and Jay steals it. And Jay is in another part of the world. Like what jurisdiction is going to like Jay's in Spain. Yeah. Is Interpol going to like kick his door down and be like, give it back, give him back the like the monkey. Like, I just don't know how that works. And I think that, give it like, back the monkey. Yeah. Like, I just think our government has better things to do. And so I think it goes back to a conversation we had on our last episode, which is just kind of like, you have to really take care of your own stuff because yeah. if it goes awry and you send Bitcoin to the wrong address, or you get your wallet drained, like many people I know have, I, I think it's really, really tough to, to figure that out. Or I guess what I'm saying is be able to bring some kind of legal action or judicial yeah. action against them. Yeah, that's wild. So, I mean, this raises a great point or an interesting point anyway. I don't know if it's a great point. Nick held a doodle, right? And I yeah. got to hear this. So like, I know this is not interview style, but I've got to hear why he got rid of the doodle, of course. But... On this topic for a moment, do you own other like A list blue NFTs chip like NFTs? That? Yeah, um, I don't. I I sold most of my NFTs in um, March. I had, I guess, I, I had the Good doodle, which which um, I had the doodle. Well, actually, sorry, not March. I sold it. I sold it in um in April when things started to get a little shaky. I had a cryptoed which went up really high at one point i think it went to like 18 eth um but then it you know it kind of leveled out at around two so i i didn't i didn't buy in when it was that high um <laughs> and it's funny because i you know J jared and jay i think i talked to you guys in december right so we're talking like how long now eight months right eight nine I months think, wow yeah i think we recorded in i'll look yeah. it up but i i feel like it was november yeah I th yeah, I think I think you might be right. So I mean, man, like what a what a crazy how quickly things have changed um, and how much the space has evolved <laughs> and bear market uh, gone and all that quiet. Yeah, yeah, right. I think <laughs> so. What happened with with me? So I bought my doodle, and I remember I was at NFT NY. I think I told this story in your podcast too. I was at NFT NYC in October, and I remember everyone was talking about this project called Doodles, and they were like, "You got to get in, you got to get in." And this was when it was. I think the floor was like covering around 0.8 ETH. So mm. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to buy one of these things. <clears throat> and sure enough, it took off. And I think what happened to me psychologically, it's a weird thing how your, uh, <laughs> how your brain works and, and tricks, tricks yourself in a lot of ways. I mean, all of a sudden you're holding an asset. I think, I think doodles was worth, I think it went to 28 uh, ETH, the floor yeah. at its high mark. So all yeah. of a sudden you're looking at that in dollars and you have like an $80,000 uh, yep. asset, right? I mean, and yep. you think about just like how much value that is. And for me, <laughs> for me at least, I, I, I just remember thinking like, I think I got to get out of this because a, like um, there started to be some negative sentiment. You could, this was like right in the beginning of like when the recession started kind of picking up and, it's all, I mean, I think one of my biggest critiques and I, 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 I've kind of changed my tune a little bit where I'm not cynical, but I'm much more critical of the space. Um, mm. And the reason why, especially the NFT space, and if we're just talking about like art or PFP projects, like the, the doodle, the, the doodles and the V friends and cryptodes, like I have a funny feeling we're going to look back and see these as um, like the MySpace <laughs> iteration of this whole thing <laughs> with with the exception do like crypto punks and i think board apes will hold up but um maybe yeah. a few others but I, I think what happens is you start thinking about like okay if this was like a stock i owned or any other yeah. asset like yeah what is it doing outside of speculation and hype um yeah and what i mean by that is like doodles <laughs> they, they 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 make some big announcements like I, I think it was two months ago or so they hired uh like they made a big announcement that Pharrell was going to be their chief, yes. uh, I think, brand or culture officer. 
it's like what the fuck does that mean you know like like (laughs) like in a in a like that's cool and it makes headlines and like um billboard will write an article about it but outside of like speculation it's like what's the where's like where's the value coming from there um yeah from my in my experience it's mostly been and again i bought in at 0.8 so like yeah i think if someone bought in at 10 ETH, they're like they tend to believe the hype a little more um and there's definitely an element of greed that sets in where you're like well this this is going to be the next board ape this is going to go to you know 90 ETH, and then maybe i'll sell it when it hits one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that just it just gets a little crazy especially if you have debt or, or or loans um just other things in life that are like actually made of atoms and concrete that you could you could you could use this money for <laughs> so, thomas says i've uh, been some patties not enough that's pretty i don't know if you no see that in the chat I mean, I can't tell if that's if that's sarcastic or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, because I was thinking the same like, thing. I'm like, Thomas, you know, what kind like, of eighty thousand dollar parties you go into, my guy? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, it yeah. might have been at some point, right? Like that might have been enough. If so, like I'm really curious about the psychology of this. So to your point, because you have the high, you have held of the four of us, you have held the highest profile NFT. I think mm-hmm. I, I've never even asked the guys. Like, have you guys ever held an A list NFT? Or something that went nope. mooned. I have Journey Crypto, which is uh, at one point it had the highest for a ten thousand project. It had the highest amount of owners, so it meant that like you know owners didn't have like twelve and thirteen. It had the most amount of people for a ten thousand project, uh, yeah. and that was like a bragging point because mm-hmm. it was like a lot more people at the party, if you will. If we're talking about yeah. Tomas's comment, uh, but it you know the max I think it got up to was like six or seven ETH. Yeah. Yeah. What see what I think about it? Did you guys watch the uh, the documentary about Theranos? Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. Doc, that documentary. So the events and parties. Like I was I was jelly right of missing board apes, missing crypto punks. I and and when I say missing, like I got the invite of go buy these because everyone had known that I've been in Bitcoin since 2011, mm-hmm. and and like I, they're like you got to get into NFTs. I'm like what's going on. And I didn't get the art. I didn't get it. So are events and parties not enough? That's like asking, hi, I'm at Theranos. Are the parties outside with the bouncy house not enough for yeah. a company that does something versus a company that does nothing? And right. now if if a company came along and said, no, we're an event company. We're, you know, we're Red Rocks in Denver and parties and events are what we do. Then it's like, okay, but like, you sound, Nick, you sound like you came in not, I, I, I don't mean this wrong, but you sound like you have like a natively skeptic view of kind of what, or, or at least intellectual view of what's going on with something like a stock versus an NFT. I yeah. bought at point eight. Did you, but this was the question that, that, that Thomas's, uh, st- or Tomas's statement got one I wanted to ask. When you saw Doodle for 0.8, you mentioned greed might've kicked in or maybe FOMO, but did you ever go in thinking, I'm a hodler on this thing? For a while, yes, but I think again, I went in on it point eight, which wasn't a crazy uh, like for me at the time. It wasn't a crazy investment with like you know back in the fall, like everyone knew about every mint. This was like kind of before white lists, and it it was like being at a roulette table. It was you know it was like being at a roulette table, like seeing just how quick crazy these would mint out, and then the next day it would four or five x, and then people would be able to you know people were making thousands and thousands of dollars and they and, and they still are and, and I, I should preface all this by saying um i'm rooting i'm still rooting for this space and i think uh i want yes. like a project like doodles to do well because i think the decentralized brand building components of it are, are really fascinating interesting but as far as like the innovation goes like i think i'm everyone likes to talk about utility utility and like right now for me at least for doodles i'm sure there's doodles holders if they listen to this that might know more than me or have more optimistic outlooks for the roadmap but like the utility is like an example of the utility is you have token gated access to buy limited edition merch yes right so like that's the utility the board so like, hoodies or whatever so i think the um logic starts falling apart from like an investing and speculative standpoint where it's like okay well I have basically a Mercedes Benz uh, in my MetaMask wallet. And 
I guess they throw good parties, right? Like, and so for me, when 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 the when the climate started getting rocky, <laughs> when the, when the climate started getting rocky, I, I I um I just didn't want to be left holding the bag with with nothing out of it. Now, I, for me, the way I looked at it, because I you know these guys know too, like I'm. I believe in the space. I work in it. I think the innovation is like really cool and interesting. Yes. I was like, I'd feel safer having the Ethereum, right. Yes. than one doodle that like, and doodles could very well like take off and sustain. And I actually think there's something to be said um, for how well a lot of these NFTs have held up during the bear market. Like it's kind of, it's yes. kind of amazing when you it think is. about how like volatile it's been and just sentiment. And yet, they're holding pretty strong. Like even doodles, I think is at, uh, I think it's hovering around like a 10 ETH floor, which yeah. is still a pretty, pretty damn good. But you just, I think like the uncertainty at some point you're like, I can't. And it's like ultimately why you, you respect people that can hold. Yeah. For better or worse. You got to respect it. dude. Yeah. <laughs> like what do they see? Again, because I, mean, I you guys, see, you guys, we're looking you guys at a property like, that 80 K is a deposit on a property that I know. Yeah, I, could I mean, I'm thinking looking at New York city, New York paying rent in New York city. And it's like, well, I could, you know, cover this for two years, but I guess I like my, so you just start mm -hmm. playing these games in your head and it depends where, where you're at in life, exactly. I guess, but uh, good for everyone who's, who's still holding. And then you also think about yeah. something like, you also think about something like Bitcoin where, you know, you guys are um, probably better versed in Bitcoin than I am, but you're like, okay, well I could flip this for, you know, one and a half Bitcoin. Like, so you start, that's where you start, you start going ultimately like what's going to be the more anti-fragile asset or cryptocurrency to, to hold. And I think we're still figuring that out. Right. But I still think, I think ETH's going to rally, you know? Well, and I think hindsight's 2020 also, right? This was, and <clears throat> you know, this phrase, we are early. I really think we need to get off that a little bit because I think the, the phase of we are early has happened and we're still early ish, right? Like, but um, this this point Tomas makes is when you said Bored Apes and CryptoPunks aren't going to be the MySpace, I agree. CryptoPunks has Tiffany and company and Bored Apes has their game. The game didn't exist. Other deeds didn't exist when we were all speculating on this, right? So you're right. Like maybe Doodles does events and parties and that's enough. But we, I think we buy into those frills just like Theranos' bouncy house outside as a potential sign that our bet is going to pay off in some sort of real asset soon, but there's not. Right. But when I hear this sort of lingo, that's no different than the hype I heard in my twenties about that one MLM or this. And so, your I guess your my better nature then has to kick in and go. I haven't built the wealth I've built by buying into everything, but by right. well, but by selling I mean, things. You know, go ahead, yeah. Jay. I, I I'd love to ask uh, Tomas like. Did, does he not think that the the jewelry t Tiffany and uh, and the game are fills as well? I mean, you know, like how, how many rappers have have had expensive jewelry and, and they're gone? You know, like the jewelry doesn't really mean anything. Like like how many video games have come and gone? You know, like is is that really staying power? I think so, it's more staying power than just mm -hmm. the parties. Like okay. if I watched a, a like a like a gradient and. And this you you pose this question to a Tomas, so I'd love to hear him. But but in Tomas's defense, like I can imagine the psychology of a twenty-something who just got done with GameStop and Wall Street bets, and is got like I got this cash, what the f? And then someone comes along and says, I've got an Airbnb that we bought with the treasury of Bored Apes, and we're throwing a party, and more to come. Roadmap, roadmap, and them going, okay, but they're the first in the scene to do it. Okay. I'd say first, like first a game is advantage. an income model. A game could be an income model. I don't yeah. know about jewelry necessarily. What do you got? Well, okay. I think there's also like a, a distinction between um, like there's clearly like luxury NFTs emerging, right? And I, I read a really interesting, um, interesting article the other day about, and I heard uh, this podcast, one podcast I listened to, they were having this discussion about um, LVMH, right? So the um, multi- uh, national luxury conglomerate. Um, and they define luxury for their brands as I think I wrote it down so I could bring this point up. Like there's a, there's two components. There's like a timelessness component. So it has one foot in the past and then one foot at, I think they phrase as like the utmost, 
forefront of modernity. So like these, these luxury brands like a Dior or a Louis Vuitton or a uh, Givenchy, like they're, they're, they're staying in the past. They're also like super interested. Like what's the next like scarce thing we're, 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 we're able to brand and own and mm-hmm. provide scarcity mm-hmm. around. And you think about Birkin bags. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's like a million Birkin bags, maybe even more, maybe 10 million. And those are, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of Birkin bags or have ever come across one of those things, but like, I think Jared's they're smiling. They're he knows like, what it is. Do you know what it is, Jared? It's a, they retail at like, show us yours, Jared. I think like 10 or 15 grand. Yeah, I, I have mine upstairs, uh, climate controlled <laughs> environment. Thanks, Grant. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, I, I was talking about, and I was talking about this with, I'm not sure if I was talking about this with Victor, but I just think the metaverse is really going to take this idea of brand and just blow it up. Cause you have your bag, you have your Birkin bag and in 15 or 20 years where you're walking around with your avatar, that's where you're going to want to have your flex and the marginal cost to create a Birkin bag right now, right? There are some, co- there are some cogs or, you know, cost of goods sold, but in the yeah. future, when you can just mint something, these brands that have been building in the physical world, when all of a sudden they just want to go into the digital world, I just think it's going to be absolutely incredible. And Davian has a comment here, but before I get to Damien's, Davian's comment, if it's okay, I want to, I want to ask each of you and I want you guys to speak on this. This was something I heard the other day on Instagram. It was some guy who was just walking around, like asking people questions, you know, as one does to create content on Instagram. But I thought it was a very fascinating question because I answered it differently from most of my friends. And the question was this, and, um, you know, think about it. Maybe you can talk about your re- your reasoning and I'll share where, where I would go. But it was, if you could, would you rather be able to meet Jay-Z, probably like have a dinner with him or get $500,000? Because, oh. at, and I think that this speaks to the idea behind doodles and the idea behind many NFTs, which is access. And it depends mm. on what you put value in meeting like celebs versus like money in your pocket. So if any of you guys want to, uh, you know, answer this, I'd be very interested because I found the question to be fascinating because um, I'll, I'll share how I answer, but my friends, all of them were like, oh, 500K, easy. And I'm like, dude, I've been listening to Jay-Z since you mid-90s. You Jay-Z? Yeah, I, t- I go with Jay-Z. <laughs> wow. Because I could get have out 500. Here. No, because I could have 500K. That doesn't mean I get to meet Jay-Z, right? Right, like my Ethereum will be worth that much eventually as long as Kathy Wood's right. But- <laughs> That doesn't mean I get to meet Jay-Z, Hove. That yeah. doesn't, that, that's not how that works. So I would much rather sit with him. And he's like, dude, why do you want to sit with me over 500? I would love to have that conversation with him. I just want to, you know, because yes. money doesn't buy access. It's beyond that. And I think NFTs mm. tap into that. So I don't know if any of you guys want to speak on that or where you would go or say how crazy. Obviously, Victor's having a heart attack because the dude <laughs> wants to put leverage on his 500K that Bitcoin's going to 100 <laughs> on by the last Friday. Show to our audience and we forgot to say not financial advice on the last show. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'd borrow yeah, everything. <laughs> so do you guys, I, I don't know if you want to speak on that, but that's what last. I was, that's, that's what was going on in my head when I was hearing the conversation where Nick was, you know, talking about the money versus the access. And I just thought Tomas's question was so great. Like are events and parties not enough? Yeah. I mean, I mean it's because uh, I saw uh, Davian's comment as well, which I think I could could get at here. Um, I think when you start understanding the like luxury fashion space and sector, like like uh, I, I saw on um, Hype Beast the other day, like a pair of Balenciaga like shower slippers. They were just like black rubber slippers going for like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, and they said Balenciaga on them, and I, I you know obviously it's not. It's because it's. They have high, I think Kanye is one of their creative directors and it's about that there's only a thousand of those released or however much there is. Um, So this is now, I think these high, high value uh, scarce assets in the metaverse or NFTs are just the evolution of that. But for, to answer uh, uh, Davey, and I might be pronouncing it wrong, so sorry if I am. Um, I don't disagree with his take here. Uh, For anyone listening, he's saying that brands like doodles um are brought on pharrell to basically help introduce their brand to a larger community because they're probably preparing ways to resonate with audiences outside of the context of nfts like so i I agree with that i have no doubt i mean doodles and uh doodles has like a crazy war chest of ethereum that they can just throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks and eventually something might stick but 
the trade-off you're making is like, again, like you have an $80,000 asset. Are, are you going to bet on this story that this kind of nebulous collection of cartoon characters will one day be able to generate more value than that across the board? And I, I, I think it ultimately is like I wasn't willing to take that bet anymore especially when uh the water got a little rocky in the space so like again all the power to people who are doing it but i just think it's not like it's like yeah i hope they can like i guess they can make a show or or, or merch or maybe make an album like i don't i don't know yet how it's going to resonate with like a broader consumer audience um now the other side of that token is like for crypto punks and Board apes like the tiffany's thing that i i think um someone just referenced like are you, are you guys aware of what just happened with that mm-hmm. with the with, tiffany's thing no i mean i saw so the t- deal but did something happen no they just they just did this partnership basically um where they they minted 250 tiffany uh pendants right? punk yeah pendants that if you got one of these things they were for 30 ETH, so they were all basically 50 grand they can make a customized tiffany's jewelry pendant out of your crypto punk and uh those so they sold out in like i think like five or ten seconds or minted out in five or ten seconds so yeah but 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 then you think about it's because again like high net worth people and actors who already are spending four hundred thousand dollars on an nft like yeah they want to they want to like maintain that status the the physical version of it yeah obviously yeah and it makes sense for the luxury brand but that's where like you, you try to think about okay, well, what's luxury here versus like consumer friendly because yeah so i don't know it's a tricky it's a tricky issue and, a, and only only time will tell um so 500k or jay-z 500k no question <laughs> jay what do you got <laughs> i'm going for 500k like you i, I can take 100k and 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 I don't know, probably have lunch with Grant Cardone or something. I feel like that yeah. equally is as <laughs> <is> good. <laughs> okay, okay. I just want I want it to be known on the Not Crypto Brothers podcast. Comparing Grant Cardone to one of the greatest artists and minds of human history, Jay, I'm worried about you on that one. Um, but I, I want to shout out this idea too that we're talking about that Davian's brought up. And I think Nick just did an amazing job on rounding out the value behind these things and and how these brands and the fidgetal and we could talk about the word fidgetal grant's favorite word uh nike did they put up something recently which was absolutely amazing and i don't know grant if you can share a screen and we can get on OpenSea, but they had these sweatshirts i don't know if you guys saw this and the sweatshirts okay they were super cool and the sweatshirts had a an ar version to it yeah so when you put them on you'd be able to see like these wings coming out and they had the sale up for a certain amount of time and you had to buy it within a certain amount of time i don't know if there was a limited amount i think there was a limited amount maybe it was like twenty thousand. but if you bought one then they would basically mail you out this sweatshirt within the next week which i thought was super cool as someone who had ran a clothing company in the past and like you know while I may not be fashionable, I understand the world of fashion in some sense. And <laughs> when you already know what sizes you want to order, that's freaking amazing. And so I really liked what Nike did. And I think we're going to see that a lot more. It, it's not, it's no surprise that it's going to start with brands that have great, you know, that can like Balenciaga can sell a $3 molded piece of plastic for 1500 and just crush and just have loads of cash that they're going to start to play with this. But eventually you're going to go into your local sporting goods store and you're going to buy your champion sweatshirt. And it may come with a little AR thing where when you have it on yes. and someone has their phone and they go to take a picture of you and Instagram will have this thing, you're going to be able to see like this C over your head, like a halo for champion. I mean, I'm just making things up at this point, but it doesn't surprise that it will start with the people who have bags of cash and can just say, yeah, you know, this, this, like this little rope you put around your wrist is worth 3000 because it says Balenciaga, but eventually it will trickle down. And in that process, I'm interested to see what, what other brands kind of grab onto it because while I would pick the meeting with Jay-Z over the 500 K when Nick told me that he sold the doodle, I was like, good on him. He took profit because there are too many people in this space that FOMO in and then, stay in too long and believe it too much. Like, like Nick said, he also got in at a pretty low entry point, but if yeah. you got in at 10, 
even if it's at 10 now, when you got in at 10, it was probably 4,500 for ETH. Now it's only 1,600. So you're down 66% if you sell, right? So there are, there's, some, there's some economics here that are kind of interesting, but I was actually really happy that Nick sold because I think it's a cooler story to talk about how he sold than if he ends up getting wrecked. Um, and I think a lot of people got wrecked in the NFT space for everyone that you hear and you're on Instagram and you're like, Oh, 16 year old makes $3 million in five days, yeah. which I, every time I see it, I hate it. Cause I'm like, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about the exception, not the rule. And you're creating this kind of casino like thing. But anyways, I'm kind of on different tangents, but I, I wanted to ask Nick, and I know that this is not related to crypto right before we go. I wanted to ask Nick to speak about his article that he did on oh, his yeah, yeah yeah he did on his substack and because it's took you guys a while to do and it's about one of the more prominent figures if not the most one of the top uh, for me prominent figures in the als uh battle that humanity's been dealing with for you know decades at this point oh well thanks for letting me chat about that man uh yeah i mean it was I, it's, it was nice to write a non-crypto uh, related article. You know, I think um, the, the the competition for uh, Web3 Substack writers is it's very, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good ones out there. So it was nice to be like, I'm just going to write about something, um, something different that was a little more uh, human. And yeah, my brother Max and I, who he's he's edited all my pieces. This is my, uh, my twin brother. We... We've always been huge fans of Steve Gleason. Um, he, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the, have you seen, Jared, you said you saw the documentary from uh, six years ago? Yeah, mm. I think I think I saw it. Was that, okay, and please correct me because I've been seeing many of these. Was that the 30 for 30? Was that an ESPN one? Or is that No, he's one? all, he, I mean, he's done, he, he's had a bunch of those like content snippets floating around over the years on ESPN. Okay. But basically Steve's story is he was an NFL player, special teams, um, special teams pump blocker and uh kick return um team for the saints really scrappy uh heart-filled player um he had a famous block so like the, the game after hurricane katrina he blocked this punt that ended up being um super iconic uh super iconic for the city of new orleans like they kind of symbolize like the, the revitalization of the city and um Right, right after he retired, a year after he retired, he found out he had ALS. Six weeks after he found out he had ALS, he found out his wife was pregnant. So um, just an amazing story about, you know, within a year, this guy went from being like a fully healthy uh, 33-year-old to only being able to move his eyes, which are the last um, internal uh, organ, sensory organ that, that doesn't get touched. So ALS, like your mind basically is fully um untouched and and preserved um and then your whole body uh you know you lose you lose your whole capability in your physical body and your physical autonomy so um nevertheless like he he's an amazing writer uh he he's an amazing advocate for als definitely recommend following this guy on twitter it'll make uh all the crypto bs seem a, a lot less important um so we reached out <laughs> we drink it <laughs> yeah 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 big so we we reached out to his team and said hey like um we'd love to get a chance to interview steve and write a story about him um he was up for the interview after we sent our questions and um what we thought was going to be like a quick article ended up being basically like a six-month-long process where we became friends with him we chatted with him you know pretty much daily um through this app that he uses. And I think we really got a chance to tell his story and our perspective of it. Um, wow. So, so yeah, yeah. Feel free to check it out. I, I appreciate uh, you letting me plug that. Um, what um for the, for the viewers uh, to kind of share a little bit more of a snippet into that, what was some of your personal um, takeaways whether a principle or just something that moved you there's like i loved this aspect of this storytelling um you, you're saying as far as like what i learned from the yeah, process you as writing author, about him yeah 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 i think what's so powerful about his story is that he's really like and man we really did a 180 here talking about doodles uh price fluctuation and steve gleason but um <laughs> you know he, he's he's really uh taken his like suffer i mean it's like the most unfathomable level of like human suffering you could probably like consider like think about um 
and he uh, he's taken it head on and he's leaned into it and he's learned and he's, he's he reads all the time. He's, he's constantly exploring his mind and pushing his perspective. Um, and there's a lot of wisdom there. Like he's a happy guy and he's content. Really? He, he, um, he's a great father, a great husband, and he's generally pretty stoked about life still more than most people. Um, so I think for us, for my brother and I, it was just like this amazing um, insight we had into, you know, and everyone like goes through tough, uh, tough times and, and hardship and, and varying levels of suffering. But like, he's just like this pretty amazing, like real life symbol and, and reminder that like you can, um, you can bear that and still, wow. still be fired up about your life. And like, it's, it, it teaches you a lot and you, you, there's wisdom there on the other side of like, ultimately fear so yeah it was uh it was a heavy thing to write about so i appreciate you guys asking and sharing it reading it yeah man and and where can people grab that like where do people follow you give a shout out to that or any project i guess this is a moment for shout outs real quick yeah where can people follow you yeah thanks um you you can read it um on my Substack, which is just nickwoodmer.substack.com um or follow me on twitter uh at nf woodmer is where uh where i post most of um most of my thinking um and yeah right now i'm also working for uh, just to keep the plugs going i'm working for a very cool web3 brand consultancy um based out of new york city called rumford so we're helping rumford yeah we're helping a lot of um i guess web2 is probably not the right word but a lot of like really interesting brand non-crypto brands like adapt and figure out the space um rumford's did the, the adidas into the metaverse which dropped in december um, okay. they helped they were the they were the they were the strategic partner there so now we're helping brands um like netflix and dior and ralph Lauren and i mean all these uh so many of these cmos at these these companies and national brands like they're pushing their teams like okay we need innovative thinking wow um, what's coming and naturally a lot of that is uh in this space in the web3 space so anyone who's listening wow. know that uh there's still a lot of work being done under the um under the fold in this space which is really cool and exciting yeah man like that's real onboarding everyone talks about hey let's do onboarding <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the real onboarding man well thanks for being yeah. on the show we're going to wrap up our shout outs here in a second and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we put those in the show notes. And uh, thanks I, for your time, Nick. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you guys are doing this. It's really cool, especially. Yeah, super fun. We'll bring you back on soon. Change Take care. Era. Yeah. All right. Nice to meet you guys. Take care. So, keeping in the spirit of wrapping up and shout outs, team, what do you got? Uh, what do we got, Jay? Do you got anything special? Uh, you know, I was thinking about this week. I wanted to shout out Vitalik because I've been seeing like, oh, your boy, of, oh, your boy wait, Vitalik. Wait, 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 he's your been, boy Vitalik, who you doubted and then it doubled, he, uh, and then it doubled, and then it doubled. He, he, he's definitely been evolving uh, as a person, as an entrepreneur, and I, I think it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so like recently, he was talking about what anonymous anonymous uh ethereum accounts i don't know if if, if you if you all saw that so mm -mm. basically having it set up so that you can trade back and forth and not necessarily have to worry about being tracked by etherscan sure. and yeah i think um that plus what i was seeing with um his his recent paper about soulbound tokens yeah. just sort of shows that you know, the, the level of complexity to this stuff has moved away from just like the technical, like what's technically possible to yeah. what's actually useful and, and can, useful. can move the culture and is necessary for society. So, yeah. So I just wanted to shout, shout out Vitalik real quick. Yeah, <clears throat> I dig that. What do you got, Jared? No, I'm, I'm really happy Jay said that. I actually, my friend Jared, who I don't think will listen to this, but he's the biggest enigma of my life, Jared, if you're listening, he's just like a fantastic human being. And he, if you ever get in a conversation with him, you'll learn something, which is a beautiful thing. And I think that that's wonderful. And he sent me screenshots. He's with his wife and there happened to be in Seoul, Korea. And he went to go see Vitalik speak. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, bro, nice flex on me. So that was really cool. 
Um, I don't really have any other uh, shout outs. I guess we'll be back next week, same time. And the one thing I will say, if you're listening to this, if you're on podcast or you're on YouTube or you're listening to this back on LinkedIn, if you can do us the huge favor, go to LinkedIn, find our show, Not Crypto Bros, and like it. We need to crack 150 likes before we can start to do live uh, streaming through our page. And until then, we have to do it through one of our personal pages, which isn't a problem, but as Grant would like to say, there are some values to centralization. So we want to centralize people's attention to the Not Crypto Bros page. So if you're hearing this, please go like that page. Also follow us on Twitter and YouTube. And we're live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah. And just a quick thank you on the way out to Nick for being here. I I feel like you guys told me let's not make this an interview. But I'm telling you, like, I want to sit with that guy and be like, okay, here's a voice you don't normally hear. Usually crypto boys are like, to the moon. Or they're like, this is the worst thing ever. And Nick just seems even about, <laughs> oh, here's all these opportunities. And he's still he's still writing. What do you got, Jarrett? Yeah, you should have him on your show. You should have him yeah, on uh, totally. your show. He's He's been with, he's come on with Jay and myself. And I think next time I'm in New York and Nick, if you're hearing this, this is a shout out at you because we need to do this. Uh, I want to get Mike's and I want to sit with he and his brother. Max, who works for Blockworks. So they're both professionally in oh, crypto wow. and Web3. And so I just want to get mics and we're going to do like a two or three hour extravaganza, talk about nothing, talk about everything. And I want to throw it up on more than blockchain. Um, those guys are really great. And I do think that they're exactly what we're trying to do with Not Crypto Bros, which is exactly what you're saying, Grant. Not have dudes that have like huddle t-shirts on and are just like, you know, I don't eat food, I eat Bitcoin. We, we want to have a variety of people that come on. And Nick is a fantastic writer. So we'll put this in the show notes, yeah. his uh, sub stack. But I read that Gleason piece and it was emotionally moving for me um so it was uh yeah everyone everyone should read that and grant if you i don't know if you've read it yet but it's powerful it's really not not in its entirety i started skimming i was like oh i need to sit with a cup of coffee on this yeah yeah you need to take (laughs) some space so yeah man well thanks for your time everybody check us out like jared said check us out not crypto bros on linkedin like share and invite a friend thanks so much everybody bye bye